Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know that one line in that verse, it says, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, come on, you will be close as no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. Come on, on this Father's Day, Pastor Steve, I want to, yes, we've all had natural fathers, some there, some alive, some gone on into glory, some not there, some absent. But how many know that the greatest father that we have on this day is our Heavenly Father, is our Heavenly Father, is our Heavenly Father. And so on this Father's Day, what more than we can do. Yes, we appreciate fathers and we are created as men. We are created in the image of God. We're created in his image and in his likeness. Jesus, he came to show us the Father. Come on, he came to show us the Father. How many of you guys need a father? Come on, you need a father. I don't care if you're 15, I don't care if you're 35, 55, 85. There's nothing like having a relationship with Father God through the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the comfort of the Holy Ghost, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Thank you, Abba, Father. Amen. You guys can be seated. Worship team, thank you. Thank you, musicians. Can you just give it up for them? And Thank you, Deuce, on this Father's Day. And everyone here, we love you. I love you. It's so good to, to be with you. And graduates, just want to congratulate you. All of our graduates, whether you're preschool or elementary or middle school or high school. Wow. How many of you guys remember going into the ninth grade? That was a long, long time. How, how many guys forgot it was so long ago? How many of you guys were afraid to go into the night? I'm a freshman now. Who's, where's Alex? Alex, you're a freshman now? Okay, congratulations, Alex and Quincy. And uh, do you guys remember, though, and like you were a ninth grader and you looked up like a senior in high school. They were like so big and strong and the girls were so cute and fine. You were like scared. You guys remember what I'm talking about? You were like, wow, she's a senior. She's, you guys know what I'm talking about. But anyhow, congratulations. Uh, how easily we forget, how easily we forget what it was like to be a teenager. And so, how many of you guys have teenagers? I love teenagers. How many of you guys, even though you're 55, you're still a big teenager? Come on. It's funny, though. It's funny because uh, with everything going on, I have a friend of mine. I can't say his name, but anyhow, he was my good friend. But uh, he, he uh, sent me a message. He says, come fix it for me, dear. Sorry, it keeps going underneath my shirt. But anyhow, we went to uh, high school together, and uh, he sent me a message on Messenger that uh, I am my brother's keeper. He's African-American. Uh, Derek Knockham, if you're watching Derek, actually his cousin attends our church here. But then anyway, we went, been through a lot together, but he sent me a message, I'm my brother's keeper. But it's just interesting, people get older, and they're still talking about the days that were so... When you were in high school, older people want to be young. Younger people want to be old. Like some of our young people, they just can't wait to get out of the house. I can't wait till I graduate and get out of the house. And 
Uh, don't point at any family members right now until they have to pay the bills. Until they have to pay for their own cell phone or their car note or insurance. And then, but anyhow, my point being is, uh, come on, family is precious. Family is precious. And the family that we have. And how many of you know the family of God? I think, what is the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father, I think about me. Jesus said, if you being evil, come on, if you being evil, yes, we are evil. We're only good or righteous because of the righteousness that God transforms us and gives us and makes us into his image and we become good but come on how many our default is evil because of sin it's even when we will to do good evil is present with us that's what the bible says romans chapter six and so but he says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more does in your does your heavenly father come on want to pour out and it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom Matthew 6, so as a young man, when I got saved, I lived by this scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Our priority is what? As Christians, how many know we belong to the family of God? We have a kingdom culture that makes us special and makes us different, and it's because of the great call upon. So I'm special, you're special, not because of me and the natural. It's because of his presence and it's because of who my daddy is. It's because I have a father that makes it. It's not based upon the color of my skin, my economic status, my soul. What makes us special and unique is that we are the children of God. And because you're the children of God, guess what? You have the backing of heaven. You can live in a different way. You can go through trials and circumstances with a perspective of that God is with me. And as long as God is with me, I can hold on to him. And he's going to take us through every circumstance and situation that we're going through. And our call is to demonstrate Christ's likeness, even as our mission, our vision statement is what? To unite people to Christ and people to people. And first, we want people to know Christ and know his love because he's the answer for humanity. He's the father. Jesus, like Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the father except through me. It's not through being good. It's not through any other religion. No, religion is us trying to get to God, but God in his great love and his mercy says, you know what? I'm going to do something that man can't do for themselves. I'm going to come to them. Where religion is us trying to get to God and trying to prove and make ourselves right through duty. But God says those things are futility. So I'm going to make a way for humanity and I'm going to become like them. And so I will be human. And I will be the, become the son of man. And I will be fully human and fully divine so that I can identify with their pain and their struggle and their frustration. Just think about Jesus. John chapter 1 says he came to his own and his own didn't even receive him. They rejected him. But to as many as receive him, he gives them the right or the power to be what? To be sons of God. I don't know about you, but the greatest honor that you and I can have, yes, we have natural families, and that's all good, but the greater thing is that we have the honor and the privilege of being in the family of God. And Jesus says, when you pray, what? Pray to your father. Pray to, he says, go into the closet and, and close the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
Sheriff, you can put up some of my verses of Scripture. Let's just look at this. I don't think I'm going to get through all my verses. We're on the series of reconciliation, and we will continue that. But for Father's Day, let's just talk about Just look what Jesus said, and this is Matthew in the book. And let me get my notes out and catch up with you. I was so excited. Wow, I pulled out the wrong sermon. No, it's okay. Matthew eleven twenty seven. he says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal. John, we're going to go through some scriptures, and then we'll just keep going here. John 5, 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, talking about the Father, the Son also does in like manner. John 8, 28, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And then John 12, 44, then Jesus cried out, thank you, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him, the Father. The Father has sent me. And he who sees me sees him, or the Father, who sent me. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me so, so I speak. And then John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. And then Jesus corrects him. He says, no, dummy. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Come on, how many of you guys, that's like us. Come on, that's like us. Come on, how many of you guys, come on, you, you, come on, you don't get it sometimes. You need revelation. Come on, just lay your hands on your head and say, Lord, sometimes I don't get it. Help me to get it. Help me to see through the eyes of revelation. He says, I've been with you so long, and you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Come on, how many say, I need help? Come on, that's a good prayer. Prayer, help! And he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
The world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Come on, lay your hand on your stomach right now and just say, come on, thank you, Holy Ghost, for dwelling with me and being in me. And then he says this, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. What do we need? We need people in the church, people even that have a revelation of Jesus to know the revelation of sonship, not as orphans. You know what an orphan spirit is? An orphan spirit is people that are jealous. They are insecure. They have a competitive spirit. They try to earn God's love through works. They're angry. They have rage. They lack confidence and esteem, always wanting approval and recognition of man. That's the trait of an orphan spirit. And we could have it even in the church because people have not come to a revelation through Jesus of the Father's love to give you great security, to see people through the eyes that God sees without partiality, without judgment, that we would look and we would treat each other as we want to be treated. And so you say, where does this come from? It comes all the way back from the beginning. Don't worry, we'll get there. The spirit of hate, the spirit of murder. But the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship, which brings us into a covenant relationship, brings us into agreement with heaven. It brings us into alignment and protection. It comes into being. It cuts away the old so you can possess the new thing. It gives you a sense of identity and purpose, a sense of progenity and legacy. It also gives you a sense of vulnerability and being fully committed, being vulnerable. You don't have anything to prove. You're not trying to prove yourself. You know who you are. You don't lack insecurity. You don't walk around insecure and jealous and, and worried about the next person. But you know what you are? You're a person that when someone else is blessed, you rejoice with them. You push other people forward. You honor. You serve. Come on, don't you think, how did Jesus lift us up? Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you who was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God himself, thought it not robbery to be equal, but he humbled himself and became what? The servant of all. He got down and he, he lowered himself. Even though he was the king, he was the great I am and still is. How many know he had such confidence and security in who he was as God that he didn't worry about the applause of men or the approval of men? He says, I just need to obey and walk in uh, the obedience to my father. And so he went down low and he lifted us up on his shoulders. But it was from a place of humility and servanthood and honoring others before himself. And so that's, that's sonship. Now turn with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis. We're going to go real fast. But in Genesis chapter 4 it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Now this is after, come on, God just put them out of the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, at the end of chapter 3, he says, you, because of Adam's disobedience and his sin, you are, how many know the wages of sin is death? And so because of their disobedience and because they didn't obey, God still 
provided for them. Aren't you thankful for even when you mess up, God still provides for you? Come on, he still protects you. He still takes care of you. But, but there's a consequence. There's a consequence. And so they were facing this consequence. And so they, they go out and says, so Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she says, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. This is verse 3 of chapter 4, Genesis. Abel also brought of the first flocks and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but Cain, he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very, very heated. That's hot. He was angry. He was upset. Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not also be accepted? Come on. If I do well, will I not also be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. Come on, this is a scary verse. Should scare the hell out of us. It's desires, but you should rule over it. Come on, say, I should rule over it. I should rule over it. But did Cain listen to his conversation with the Lord? Like Pastor Steve sometimes. Now Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And so throughout humanity, this blood of Abel, this blood of vengeance. Now, you think about this. Someone once said that the tendency of the fathers become the traits of the children. I didn't come up with that, but I thought it was the tendencies of the father. Come on, fathers, just think about your life. There's some tendencies that maybe you and I have that you know the saying that the, that the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree? That's you and me. And so here it was, Adam sowed disobedience and when that so that took place in the next generation, his first son, where did this come from? Where did anger and murder come from in the very beginning of the Bible? Come on, it came from a place of jealousy. And why did you ever ask yourself, why did God respect, first he looked at Cain's offering from the ground, and it said that word he didn't respect, it just means that he, he looked at it, but then he had to look away from it. That's what it means. And I was like, why did, he, why did he look away from that offering? And then he looked at Abel's offering, and it says he respected, or he, he beheld it, and it says, I like this one, but that one I don't. Have you ever thought about why? I mean, I know why, but do you realize that maybe that fruit of the ground reminded him of Adam and Eve's sin? Now, I haven't heard this is not a, this is not a, a doctrine, but I think God re reminded him of the pain of the disobedience because the fruit of the ground reminded him of that fruit that caused there to walk in disobedience. 
the fruit of the ground represented their carnality and their own nature, their own works. And so why did God ignore Cain's offering? I think, I think it reminded him of some years back when the fruit of the ground, because, yes, we were taken from the dust, we were formed from the ground, but we became like God only through the Spirit. And so man in our humanity, if we're left to ourselves and we don't have the Spirit of God coming and overriding our flesh, we will be angry, frustrated, and we can have murder in our heart. Have you ever driven? I, I drove down the road and I said, Pastor Boyce, if I wasn't saved and I had a gun, I probably would shoot somebody. Come on, have you ever had like somebody? Come on, don't be so, so holy and proud. I was like, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Do you guys remember, like, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, like, to come and cover you and change you? Come on, have you ever been driving down 880 and something happened and you just got... I know no one in here has road rage. I think you guys are all just fully sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. And, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You get, those, you get those emotions. And so it reminded God of the works of the flesh and the work of the fruit of the ground. But Abel's sacrifice reminded God of what he did to take care of their sin. It said when Adam and Eve sinned that God created animal sin, skin, and covered them. Aren't you thankful for God? He covers us and he covers them. And so there was a shedding of blood. There had to, something had to die for them to be covered. And so Abel's sacrifice from the sheep, it reminded God of his blood sacrifice. And it really pointed to something so much greater that we needed. It pointed to something that Jesus was going to do for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so the sacrifice from the ground represented our flesh. It represented our works. It represented our carnality. It represented our sinful nature. But the blood sacrifice represented God's provision to make a way for us to have a new life. And so God didn't respect it. Now, it didn't mean that he didn't love Abel. Because he tells, I mean, love Cain. He was like, Cain, why, why are you mad? I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset at you. I'm not going to kill you. But he gave Cain a chance. He had a discussion with him. But Cain wasn't, he wasn't receptive. Thank you. And it says that he was so overcome with this emotion of anger and rage and jealousy. Come on, that he went, and this is the first, this is the first family of the Bible. This is the very first family of the Bible. You have a brother killing a brother. The spirit of anger, the spirit of rage, the spirit of murder, and God deals with it. And when he, he says to Cain, come on, you think that God would have killed Cain? Maybe some of them, Cain was deserving of death. But God didn't do that, but he, he dealt with Cain in judgment in his own way. But he said, he says, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. So now Jesus comes. Jesus comes. In Luke 15, he said, a certain man had two sons. Here's another story in the New Testament. We know this. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that fall to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. And we know the story that he goes out 
And it's amazing that when you want to do your own thing, how fast you can go through all of your resources. It said very quickly, he was broke, busted, disgusted. Someone said that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you have to pay. This is when you and I want to live our lives our way. And when we say, God, give me what's mine. Give me, give me. And that was, come on, how many of you guys have a little kid that wants, come on, give me, give me, give me, give me. Come on, give me. That's Mark and Ashley. Come on, where's Jaden? Okay, right? Give me this, give me that. He wants, uh, give me, come on. That's a, that's a society. So that was his cry. Give me what's owned to me. And so he goes and he wasted. And it says soon after, he was broke, busted. He didn't have anything. And so he goes and he starts working for a, a farmer. And he goes and he says, I will gladly work for this man and, and feed the swine. And I might as well, I'm so hungry and don't have anything that I'm going to, I think my battery may be going out. If it is, I'll just grab something else. But he comes to himself and he says, I got to get back to my father. And so we know the story. And isn't this a wonderful picture of our father that is so kind and so ready to restore and to forgive? And he says, I'm going to go back. And you know what he says when he sees the father? He doesn't say, give me. He says, make me. He says, make me. And that's the transition where we, immaturity and orphan spirit is give me, but sonship is make me. And he says, I'm not worthy to be one of your sons. And the father says, you know what, son? You're not a son by worth. You're not a son by works. By you have, no, you are a son because you're related to me. You're a son by birth, not by works. Or not by worth. But this is what I want to get at. Here it is. We know the father runs to him and he lavishes his love and restoration and gives him the robe and the sandal and the ring and the feast. But then you have an older brother that cannot rejoice in someone being restored. He has a spirit of the elder brother spirit, which is one of religion and judgment. And he's so mad, and, he's, and he kind of reflects Cain. Back to Cain, he was like, come on. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. I've been doing all this stuff right all my whole life. You've never given me a party, God. You've never honored me. You've never blessed me. There's this critical spirit that's inside of him that wants to accuse God and blame God. But look at the heart of the father. What does he do? He goes to him. He says, son, it is right to restore. It's right to, to bless. It's right for your son was once lost, and now he's found. He was once dead, and now he is alive. And so we see this picture of family conflict, even in the New Testament. Now, let's think about Jesus, the love of the Father. Romans chapter 8 says this. It says, we are debtors, brethren, not to the flesh, but to live not to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage or the spirit of fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by where we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
I don't know any other thing but having this reality of this scripture being real in my life. Not on the page, not on the logos, but in the rhema and in my heart and in the spirit of God that guess what? I can walk around and I can know God because he's given us his spirit. And if you're here today and you've never received the spirit of God, you've never opened up your heart and you've never asked God to come into your life, Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and to surrender and say, put your spirit inside of me so that I can be a new person that you can make me over again. I don't want to be a person that's controlled by my natural man, by the flesh, by, by what's going on in the natural. I want to live above the dirt. We were created from the dirt, but we're not called to live in the dirt. And a lot of Christians and a lot of people are living in the dirt. And we're called to live in the heavens. And we're called to have the answer of heaven. Not to live by the dirt, the, the dirt of the flesh. What did, what did Eve, she lusted, she had the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. She looked at that thing and she said it was desirable for food. It was desirable to make one wise. And it was desirable for something else that I can't think of right now. But anyhow, it represented the lust of our flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But God, when he comes and he takes over, when you yield your body and you yield your heart, because God won't do anything unless you want him. He'll knock at the door of your heart. He, if you don't want him to be your daddy, he won't. He'll leave you an orphan. But if you want to live in covenant with him, if you want to be close to him, if you want God to be your backup, if you want God to be your father, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, not a believer, there's enough believers, but we need disciples. There's a difference between, how I many you know that there's, the devil believes? Okay? But to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, if you says, God, I don't want to, be old anymore. Come on, how many of you guys are getting old? You're getting old, but you don't want to be old. Come on. Right? Come on. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Because in your mind and in your heart, you're still young. Maybe your body just doesn't work as well. You think, you know, like we were out there. I thought I could lift that pole, and I did it, but anyhow, I was sore the next day. But you know, if you read your Bible, it says that your body is decaying and getting old, and it's the body of death. We've had, or we've known about four people that have passed away in the last, the last couple weeks and praying for those families. And uh, all of us are going to go that way. All of us are going to die a physical death. But for those that have Jesus inside of their heart and alive, how many know you do not die? You do not die. You, you are moved from death unto life is what the word of God says. And so back to me, this relationship that I have, that you can have, I can't have your relationship with the Father. I have to have one. I can't have it. You get to have it. I can't have yours. You get to have yours. But I think what is the most precious, precious, precious thing that I have as a man? Yes, I have a title, I'm a pastor. I have a wife, I have children, natural, spiritual. But the greatest thing that I have as a man is a relationship with Father God. That's the greatest thing that I have. Before I met my wife, I had a relationship with God. That's the, that's the most vital, precious thing 
in my life because I know what it does, not just for me, but those that I come in contact with. And as Pastor Stephen process, yes, I am. Do I need to be more like Jesus? Yes, I do. But to have a relationship with God, Father God, through the Son, with the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's the most precious thing, the most important thing you can have. And why do you need that, you'll ask? Because flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood doesn't do it. We're too carnal. Pastor Steve can be too carnal. I need the Spirit of God. The church in America, the church needs the Spirit of God to breathe upon it. Why? Because if we live according to the flesh, we die. We hurt one another. We don't have the love. We don't function as the church. We don't function as the body. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. And you'll say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Steve? Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians. And if Deuce, you can come up there. I'm just going to end with this here. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have died. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. You want to turn there or get it up? It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's verse 22. I'm going to skip down to verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, or of the dust, made of the dust. If you live in the dust, says devil. Snakes eat dust. Snakes eat dust. Come on, what did God command? Said Satan, all the rest of your life, you're going to crawl on your belly and you're going to eat dust. So when you and I live in the dust, guess what we do? We feed the devil. When we live according to our flesh, we're feeding that nature that's contrary to God. It says the verse 47. The first man was of the earth, of the dust. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. 49. And as we have borne the image of the dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Yes, I was created from the dust, but I don't want to bear the image of the dust. As a man, I want to bear the image of the heavenly. Come on, there's enough men and women that are walking around with the image of the dust, but more of us say, you know what, Lord? I want to bear the image of the heavenly. So if you're here today, you can just stand to your feet.
Say, Pastor Steve, I need that image of the heavenly. I need it to cloak me. I need it to come down upon me as a garment. I need my heart and my life to live according to the man of the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God to breathe upon me and resurrect me. I don't want to be a person that lives and moves and breathes according to the natural, but I want to live according to the Spirit. I want the Spirit to take over. I want to be strengthened with might in my inner man according to the Spirit of God, according to the Word of God. Lord, let the earthly fade away. Let the earthly things die. Let those things that want to dominate my mind and my body and my soul, let those things not have dominion over me. But I say today that the Spirit of God will arise within me. Come on. Let the Spirit of God arise within your heart. Just lift up your hands and say, Lord, fill me today. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Let me bear the image of the heavenly. Let me not walk around like the man of the dust. Let me not be controlled. Let me not, Lord, give me a supernatural life. God is spirit, and they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. We know the Father. Come on, the language of the Father is is that of spirit to spirit. Come on, it's not flesh to flesh. God is spirit. Lord, we thank you on this Father's Day that, Jesus, you came. You came to glorify the Father. And, Holy Spirit, you came to glorify the Son. Holy Spirit, we thank you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, three in one. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, I want to be made new. There's some areas that the flesh has just been taking control. There's some areas in my life that the flesh has been dominating me. Come on, all eyes closed, heads bowed. You say there's some areas in my flesh, they've been, they've been dominating my thoughts. It could be worry, it could be anxiety, it could be lust, it could be addiction. Come on, there's an area in your flesh that you know it could be fear. Come on, just lift your hand and say, Pastor Steve, I need the Lord to come and help me in these areas and take over my flesh. And I need the Spirit of God to come and take away those areas of my flesh that have been causing death. I don't want to die. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be enslaved by my carnal nature. Come on. Come on. Lift up your hands. Say, Lord, make me afresh. Give me your Spirit. I want to live according to the Spirit of God. I want a revelation of the Father. I want my relationship with the Father to be the greatest thing that I have, and I will not allow anything to come and hurt my relationship with God. I won't compromise. I won't compromise. I won't compromise. I won't compromise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.